Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our children, we're losing an entire generation. Now, today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects undaunted by political correctness. Now, Thanksgiving is such a unique holiday, really uniquely American. The food, the family, and of course, football. And it's no wonder the left hates it, like they hate everything American. They really do. And, and so today, really, we're going to dive into the holiday's history, postmodernism, and the university, which will all be discussed on the crime of the century. So what's the history of Thanksgiving? Well, let's go back into history, into the 1600s, all the way down to Jamestown, which is in uh, Virginia. It was the first colony settled by the English. Uh, now, at this time, the Spanish had a lot in the in the New World. They had uh, some in South America, kind of in the Panama area, and the small islands uh, such as Cuba and uh, the Windward Islands, that kind of stuff. Now, the whole thing with Jamestown in 1607 is that it started off all right. It wasn't necessarily a failed colony yet, um, but what happened is the winter really did take a toll. You know. We, the English knew how to can stuff. They, they knew how to preserve for the winter because, of course, in Europe, um, they're, they have kind of similar seasons, though not as harsh as some of the more northern climates uh, in the United States can get. But the whole idea of Thanksgiving was that the, there was, the, the, the colonists were starving, and the Indians at the time that were there uh, you know, they had the whole story of Pocahontas and everything. There wasn't that, that, that tension that we'll see later between the two um, factions, really. And there was, the Indians helped out the colonists and vice versa. The colonists were able to give them some more modern uh, furs, clothes, um, not the whole blanket thing with Columbus, and we probably won't get into that today. But there was a trade between the two. There was a mutual benefit, and they had uh, ended up having a, a, quite a big feast. And the whole idea of a holiday was to celebrate the fact that these two factions, I guess we'll call them, were essentially at odds, except for this, this one day where they were able to kind of, to survive the winter and the elements, they were able to come together. And it really contrasts, I guess, the relationship between the Aztecs and the Spanish. And I don't want to whitewash the thing. I don't want to sound, you know, postmodern, but the Spanish and the warmer climate of uh, the New World, um, they didn't have the same troubles that uh, the Jamestown colonists had. Uh, they really, when they met with the Aztecs, the colonists were able to, the, the Spanish colonists were able to band together a lot of the native tribes because the Aztecs were vile, vicious conquerors and practiced human sacrifice. They were not, they were not this, this, this altruistic, in touch with nature, hippie types. They were violent, they scalped, they murdered, they, they were not, they were an invasion force and they had subjugated all of the other tribes. So when the Spanish arrived, Listen, 500 Spanish colonists are not going to be able to take on, I don't care how many guns and modern technology you had, they're not going to take on 10,000 Aztecs by themselves. It's not happening. But what they were able to do was they had about 2,500 other, uh, 2, other 
Indians on their side um, who hated the Aztecs because they had been killing their uh, sons and raping their wives and naturally they were enemies. So the Spanish helped the other uh, Indians really throw off the Aztecs and it was different because, uh, and another aspect here, the the Spanish uh, by the, the Inca were famously um, seen as gods and they were seen as kind of these these figures from mythology. They looked different, you know, they had the uh, lighter color skin, they had these funny helmets on, um, they, they dressed odd, they were from some far off land. So it all kind of fit within the Inca uh, mythology, not necessarily Aztec, but um, the difference in with the Jamestown colonists, which relates more to the United States, obviously, um, the difference with the Jamestown colonists is they were, the Indians didn't really see them as gods. The Indians just saw them as essentially this other tribe that showed up, like any other tribe. And that's kind of where the tension started. And that started later in the 1600s, 1616, 17, As the colony began to grow, it naturally began to expand. And so it began to intrude on what the natives thought was their land. Now there wasn't, it's different in Europe, where the colonists had to obviously come from. There's defined borders, there's a diplomatic process, all this stuff, and the Indians didn't have that. It was basically, you know, sitting bulls on my property, I'm gonna go stab them with a stick. It's not, it was not nearly as complex as the arguably even basic European democracy at that time. Now you had the, the odd monarchy stuff and royal marriages and all that stuff, but the Europeans had the idea of contracts and as essentially good gentleman favor, but there there really wasn't that in the new world with, with the Indians. They were, um, they didn't even necessarily have nations so much as just tribes that would move from place to place. So as the colonists expanded and established their, what they thought was their territory and nobody else was there, it's the new world, and they're there to settle it for mostly themselves, but um, depending on the monarch, either Mary or Elizabeth, they were there to set it up for for the English. And the Indians said, oh, you're on my property, we'll you know, kill you and burn your, your stuff. And that's, what ha that's really the tension, at least in the United States, between the Indians and the Westerners. Not the whole, the Westerners said, oh, there's a bunch of Indians over there, let's go kill them and take their stuff. The holiday is not about that. The entire relationship between the, the Westerners and the Indians has been completely muddied. And this actually happened in the 50s and 60s. Oh, surprise. The hippies decided that the Indians were the good guys. And there really was no good or bad in this situation. It was just there was a new world. The Europeans wanted to explore. And the natives didn't want the, the did, thought that the, native, the Europeans were encroaching. And so like any other conflict, like what happened in Europe with the Huns, there, there was, in the Germans, there, there was border wars, there was fighting, there was what has happened throughout history. It's not unique here. There was no genocide going on. And the fact that the left now wants to attribute that to the holiday of Thanksgiving is totally disingenuous because we have this idea that Western society and cultural, uh, domination and is, is evil and somehow wrong 
and that it's not good that we have all this freedom, both economically and in our, our social lives. And this all comes, again, from, from the university, and this is what they teach us students, that you know, they're bad, it's wrong to be proud of your Western heritage, therefore it's wrong to be proud of Thanksgiving, therefore it's wrong to, be, uh, to take enjoyment in Christmas, it's wrong to take uh, enjoyment in anything that might be uh, Columbus Day, a anything that might be associated with the West or Western ideals um, it is bad. And that kind of comes back to the idea that the world is pure and good except for the West, which is evil, which is facilitated by those who study the history between the Indians and the, the Westerners who take the side of the Indians were good and a noble race who were conquered by these evil uh, Germans, essentially. Um, and it's, it's this almost communistic view, because the Indians were so tribal and so basic, it's almost a communistic view of the world where they all share and, and have this loving relationship when, when really what they were doing was uh, smoking dope and sitting in a big circle like the hippies used to do in the 60s and until somebody who had done something with their lives came in and broke it up. But this really does affect the fabric of American society, which is what we've always had our political differences, but we've always able to, been kind of able to come together around the holidays and we have you know, big family feasts and, and and that's under attack and you see the left always talks about how they love families and they love uh, the the idea that um, you know all, if we have open borders all these immigrant families can come in and we'll just do away with the whole immigration system completely well that especially when you come to the, the idea of the caravan, that's just not... People are individuals. They have their own life experiences. Some people are good. Some people are not so good. So you just let anybody and everybody in, you're going to get good with the bad. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's also plausible that the people who are doing well for themselves in their native country probably aren't going to leave. And... So we'll get a lot of, Trump is right when he says, we'll get a lot of the bad. They're not sending their best. But, well, of course, they're sending their troublemakers. They're sending those, the destitute. They're sending those who need uh, help the most. And I'm not saying that we haven't done that, but you go back to Ellis Island and all of the family-centric immigration policies, that was all legal. It wasn't they were just showing up. It was, it was all, they went through a legal process. They had to understand why the Constitution exists, why the... the American system exists the way it does, and they became productive citizens. There's nothing wrong with that. There is a problem with just importing a bunch of people who don't believe what you believe, importing a bunch of people who don't share the same values, and expecting that it'll all go just fine. There's going to be culture, there's going to be wars, there's going to be tension, um, and that really harms the spirit of the holiday when you've got people who are so fundamentally at odds with what it means to be an American around the Thanksgiving table. It is very difficult to contend with that. And it kind of, it, it symbolizes really the pulling apart of the uh, American fabric. And lastly, I talked about uh, football. And this really sums up, and football's the most American sport ever, more than I would argue baseball, even though baseball is more historical, was created first. It's all, baseball's very gentlemanly, and football's more, you know, that kind of, the, the Midwest ethos, what, when we think of Americans, you know, with uh, 
uh, kind of that tough guy mentality. That that that's that's football. Where the old phrase was, "You haven't played football till you lost some teeth," and um, and the whole reason we look at it and the reason we admire those who who play the sport and who do so well in the sport is because so many of them have had to climb and scratch and crawl physically to get where they are. It shows a lot of people what they do in, in the corporate world and with their own jobs, what they're doing mentally and, and politically, what they're moving people out of their way or they're moving up the social ladder. They've got to do it without showing it. It's not so physical. Whereas football, it, it, it's it's the same idea, same, the, you, you've got to climb to the top and everyone starts at the same. you got to win the Super Bowl and you got one chance, chance to do it. But you've got to show your brawn. You've got to physically beat the other guy up on the sideline. Think of the offense alignment. Think of the defense alignment. You're there to outmuscle. I'm more man than you. I am better than you. And that is so much of what it has meant to be an American male for since the birth of this country. I mean, you look at um, <laughs> you look at Thomas Jefferson as this great intellectual. Somebody asked them about. Um, I believe it was a trade war he was having with the uh, Barbary pirates, uh, the Barbary states, which were essentially these North African pirates, and they were uh, in a trade war with, uh, not in a trade war, they were just raiding trade routes <laughs> between the different colonies. And um, Jefferson essentially organized the first uh, Marine, it wasn't, they weren't called the Marines like we think of today. They weren't, but he, they were troops loaded up on ships, and we dropped them right in Tunisia, in Tunis. And the and uh, the English ambassador, uh, no, the Spanish ambassador. I'm sorry, we hated the English at the time. Um, sorry about that. The Spanish ambassador uh, essentially asked him. He said, uh, "Aren't you afraid of offending the English and the Turks in Africa?" And Jefferson turned to him and said, "We're in a war. Damn it, we're going to have to offend somebody." And it's, it just, that sums up what, to bring this all back, it just sums up perfectly what it means to be an, an American male. You're out there and you're out more man than the other guy. You're tough. I mean, you got heart and you got kind of that, that wisecracking kind of ideal, but, but, but you're not, you're not some Frenchman. You're not, you're not, you're not out there dancing around like some chicken with its head cut off. No, you're there to be a man and there's nothing wrong with being more masculine than something. There's nothing wrong with masculine traits because winners, both male and female, have masculine traits. That, that, that's, that's, that's a very simple fact that's been lost. But we, to, 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 to put a bow on this and to wrap up this episode of The Crime of the Century, what we have to realize is that all of this stuff, the good in America that's being drained from us by these universities because they teach Toxic and masculinity is toxic. Masculinity is bad. Don't you know? If you're a man, it's better to be effeminate and sit around on your couch and do nothing um, because you're letting the, the the woman do all the work, which is almost perverse. And, th and then they tell us, you know, we've got to have open borders. We've got to let every anyone and everyone come in and essentially destroy the family fabric. And we've got to get rid of Thanksgiving. The whole idea of the American family in their house with all the different generations of people who have come here from different places, all that. we got to get rid of that because Westerners are bad and cultures, their culture is bad. 
it, it, that's what they tell us, that we got to get rid of that. And then they, they gloss over our history and they tell us the Indians were good and the, the West is evil and we shouldn't celebrate them and we shouldn't take pride in our heritage. And that's all been taken away from the younger generation. And that's really what defines the crime of the century.